Hello and welcome back to another edition of Lockdown Turf Talk, week three of there being no racing and not much else going on in Britain. So, well, to fill the time, we thought it's only fitting that we give our annual awards out uh, in this in this break. As per usual, I'm joined by Mr. Jim Watson. How are you doing, pal? Come stir well, crazy um, yet? No, uh, quite enjoying it, waking up. I've got a bit of routine to my life. Wake up, do a bit of work, watch some things on Netflix, play a bit of Xbox, have me tea, watch quiz shows at night, little group calls with family and everything between 8 and 10, and then a late night pro club session with the boys. So I've got a bit of structure every day. I'm quite enjoying it. No cat fights yet. Uh, So, yeah, enjoyable. The streets of Bury are a much safer place <laughs> without Mr. Watson patrolling them, looking for cats to attack. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, we had, we had the virtual Grand National on Saturday, Jim. Did you did you watch you get involved? I did. I I had a tenner each way on walking the mill. I was I never thought I'd be shouting so much at the television in my life. Uh, at a virtual race but it was great enjoyment but my mum my dad all, all had a go mum had Burrow Saint each way she got a bit of each way money my dad picked Peregrine Run because he liked its name and uh, at one stage at 66s I thought Christ it, it were travelling well um, and I got a bit excited there were a lot could have won a fair whack off that but yeah I had, a, I had a, got some money back don- donating winnings to the NHS page that uh, Odds Bible, I think, had up. So, yeah, I, I had fun. I, I quite enjoyed it. Because you're not really a big fan of the Grand National in general. You're not like me where it's a, where it's the best day of the year. Are, are you now, have you enjoyed the virtual national more than the real national? I think I did. Um, I aren't the biggest advocate of it. it it's, I wouldn't say I hate the, the race. I just, I don't, I, I don't like... It's just the, another race. Yeah, the air of unexpectance in that there is. I, I know that's what for some people that's what they enjoy about it, but I don't. I, I just don't have the same feeling about it. Um, but the virtual Grand National gave me something to cheer at, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't have a bet on the on the virtual national. If I'm honest, I'd, if it were, I mean, I, I went into it kind of thinking, and I was still saying when the Coming to two out, I said, this is bollocks. Aso's going to win. This is bollocks. I've <laughs> never seen anything as stupid in my life. But it's harmless. It's harmless. It's a bit of fun and it's for a good cause. So even even in my cynicism, it is all for a good reason. It's a bit like everything Stephen Mullern does, isn't it? Oh, it's all bollocks, but it's all harmless. Anyway. Yeah, what, one for a, what's it called? One for a penny or, or something for a penny. That run after Anton Deck Saturday night takeaway, that's awful Saturday afternoon television uh, Saturday night television um, I quite I, I used to quite enjoy it but the more now that I've been stuck inside the more I don't like it <laughs> we'll talk about some horses Jim we're giving out nine awards today and it, well we're not giving out nine awards we're talking about our nominations for nine awards me and Jim are going to put two horses up to each and then we're going to put it to Twitter as to who should win each of our awards. We're going to start, Jim, 
with our improver of the year. And I'll let you start uh, kick things off with your first nomination for that award, mate. Well, um, when you think of a, a most improver, you think of someone. It's it's the award you always got as a child when playing football to the player that was shit but got a got a small bit better but was still shit. And in this case, I have not give I have not put that into into proportion. Uh, my most improved this season is Epperton. Um, she's gone from strength to strength from a victory at Newbury when B, when. Nikki Henderson had the first three home in the listed intermediate hurdle, and then she Jay went Fielder. on to the Christmas. Yeah, then she went on to the uh, Christmas hurdle where she blitzed a field that was all of basically the English potential in the champion hurdle field, and then she went on to Cheltenham and she beat everyone uh, decisively. Everyone slagged her off, saying it wasn't a strong year. However, she's clearly improved from a uh, flop last season at Cheltenham in the Mayor's Novice Hurdle, where she was sent off uh, a short enough price for the race. She's improved from that. She's only had three runs, and that is my reason why she's the most improved this season. Is she, has she improved that much? Was that just not think... a joke? If, you take, if you're taking Cheltenham run away, for which there were blatant excuses. Has she improved? Well... She's gone from beating McAtee of Oliver Sherwoods, that is rated 115 and not won since, to winning a champion hurdle. That is improvement from where I'm from. That's fair. That's fair, Jim. I I, I don't think Epiton has ever been bang average, though. I know, but she's still had to improve to, to fit that. We've seen JP McManus's horses plenty of times. Everyone go, look at the potential this has got look at the improvement that it still could make and they haven't and she has this season in my opinion and although it is quite obvious she has improved the champion hurdle division that's a fair fair way of putting things Jim and she she probably is a very very worthy a worthy candidate for that my first nomination for improver of the year is going to be a horse she beat in the champion hurdle Darva Star. Oh, you've stole me second one. <laughs> oh. 17 for March 2019. Third. Third of 11 in a Wexford maiden hurdle. Rated 104. 12 months later, third in the champion hurdle, as well as finishing second, placed in two more grade ones that season the most improved horse of the season blatantly wins, wins in the summer down Patrick Kalani the stolen limerick before proving himself a proper grade one horse he's been getting beaten in maiden hurdles at Wexford a year ago and he's placed in both the Irish and British champion hurdles he's had an absolutely wonderful season what a job Gavin Cromwell's done with him and I think he's completely merited uh, a nomination for most improved horse of the year can this be called the Humpball Most Improved Horse of the Year? The Humpball Trophy. Yeah, the Humpball Trophy. Can we can we name this in in honour of Humpball? We'll do that. Do you have a second nomination, Jim? Well, Darvis Star was was my next one. <laughs> well, I've 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 got two, I've got two more than I think both merit mentions. Then go on. 
The article we'd have put the kettle on. Yeah. Pretty similar story to Darvis Star. Nothing special, really, at all over hurdles. You know, even even as far as even as recently as May, beaten in an 88 to 123 handicap off 110 over hurdles. Went chasing though, won first time up at Kilbegan, then down Patrick Tipperary Wexford. We didn't really take the form too literally when they won, when she won the Arkle trial uh, in November, uh, but then, you know, she backed it up at the festival itself. I mean, that's it's similar enough to Darvish Star. I guess it's coming a different discipline, but if 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 you'd have said at the start of the season that a summer jumper it was only rated 111 over hurdles. It was going to be in the Arkle. You'd have been laughed at. Yeah, you would have. And it, again, similar enough, absolutely brilliant uh, from Henry de Bromhead to really turn this horse into a serious graded animal. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. Really likeable mare as well. Really good attitude. And the, the other one I think could merits a mention. And in, in, in a slightly different way, because I think it's a little bit harder to do it up in the handicaps. But it would be Tracy's Ennis Corfe. Yeah. Who's won four times this season. One of them, one of them, albeit in a chase, but four handicap hurdles wins in a row. Finishing off at the uh, Dublin Racing Festival, he beat Ronald Pump in a potential qualifier as well over Christmas. Uh, the horse has just gone from strength to strength. First start of this season at Tipperary, rated 101, ends up winning the William Fry off 128. And then if he'd have taken up his option in the potential of being in the mid 140s, 145, I think it was. You know, Ronald Pump himself, to be fair, could merit a mention as well, uh, improving to finish one up in the stairs hurdle. But he'd be my final nomination. But just yeah. because I think sometimes it's a little bit harder to, you know, of consistently being ahead of the handicapper. Yeah, rather, I, I, rather than, rather than winning your notice races. Yeah, it's yeah, more it's difficult hard. as a handicap. I, I had lots of good, but I did have one handicapper written down. Main fact of David Pipes. Um, started off rated 104. Uh, has now gone up to 132 and won by 15 lengths. So more progression even to come from that. And was, was a fancy for the Betfair hurdle at one stage, but didn't quite get in. But uh, main fact was my other one. Uh, of progression wise we'll, we'll leave them then so the four nominations for improver of the year that we'll put onto our epiton Darvastar put the kettle on and who do we want the fourth one to be Jim do you want main factor or Tracy Dennis Corvey Tracy Tracy Dennis Corvey is our fourth nomination four handicap wins in a row for him I'm gutted he didn't go to Cheltenham it had absolutely been a brilliant way to end the season uh but that's our first awards, and we'll put that to all you for the Huntball Turf Talk Trophy. <laughs> Most improved horse of the year. Our second category, Jim, is the one they all want to win. It's Champion Boat. And we put, and we had we already had to put a, put a poll up on Twitter last night, and it was so close. It was so close as to whether oh, Santini... Oh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen the, the final result. I can't have wait. a guess. What is it? Have a guess. Is Santini in? Santini. Well, the Twitter community love love him, don't they? So I'm going to say no. Why not? We'll go against him. We'll go 
he he's not a bot. According to Twitter, at a margin of fifty-one to forty-nine. Oh, oh, he's close. He is a bot. Oh, Getty. And he's therefore eligible. The a horse who is second in the Cheltenham Gold Cup is considered by Twitter to be a bot enough to run in the boat ship. I voted for no. I thought he was too good. It must have been all my Twitter accounts I created last night to just be a boat. <laughs> so he's he's in there, Santini. I assume, Jim, he's going to be our first nomination. He is. Um, we saw from his beginnings, uh, his first start of the season uh, at Sandown when just getting home at 1-3 to three by now McGinty in a three-mile uh, intermediate listed chase that he was going to be a work in progress throughout the season who would keep running for you. He was always just finding a bit more. Um, he just kept on well under pressure and sort of plodded on. And then at Cheltenham in the Cotswold, we saw it was a he was a prominently ridden but plodded along throughout. And um, that's where I first got the proper suspicion that he is a bit of a cartoon character style. But and then in the, we saw that he, uh, not in the King George, sorry, in the Gold Cup he, he lacked complete tactical speed, um, and that's probably what lost him the race in the end. Just didn't quite have the speed between the third last and the second last to just keep up with with Lost in Translation and Album Photo. Um, and that's why he's a credible challenger to be the champion boat. Oh, I think I, I think we're being very harsh. I'm uh, there off that their Twitter account replied to it last night saying, this is the entire list of horses who have beaten Santini in his career. Kilbrick and Storm, OK Corral, La Bagoa, Top of the Game, Album Photo, and that's it. They're the only five horses who've ever finished ahead of him in his career. But we're, we're a democratic society. He is eligible for champion Bolton. And surely, now that he's eligible, he, he has to win it because he is the best of the slow horses, if we're calling him a slow horse. He is the best of the slow horses. So I, I do agree. He, he should definitely be number one. I'm going to put up my first nomination, Jim, as a challenger. And he's a horse who I really want to win an award this season. And that's why I'm a little bit gutted that Santini has been, um, has been allowed to be involved in this. Is Lord Dumeni. Yeah. Who's been absolutely brilliant for Richard Hobson this year. And it's so hard to put strings of form together in those long, hard handicaps. Won the Tommy Whittle. Won the last fling. Second in the Grand National trial. I mean... What sort of maniac runs well three times round Haydock in heavy ground staying chasers and isn't broken? Apart from uh, Yala Enki. But Yala, Yala Enki, even Yala Enki hasn't, you know, he's capable in his day, but, he, you know, you don't know all the time he's going to turn up. And then to, to have had that campaign that season, that tougher campaign, and still go on to get so close to winning at the Cheltenham Festival under such a brave ride. Oh, I, I, if he doesn't win champion bolt this year, Jim, I hope he gets there close. I get, I hope he gets there soon. He's had an absolutely brilliant season. 
Richard Hobson's done amazing with him. It's it, it, he's had such a tough campaign, and every time he's produced, uh, really, really likable animal. Hope to see him at Aintree next year. Yeah, most definitely. Your second nomination for the champion boatship, Jim. Um, it has to be good old elegant escape, doesn't it? The reigning uh, champion. Um, you can't not chuck him into the equation. Um, he's not had the most fruitful of seasons. Um, however, he is boat boatness, uh, showing that in the in the Labrooks uh, ch- Trophy. Sorry, when plodding on late and uh, picking up the pieces for third. We we know how much of a boat he is. We know what he is. And for that, he thoroughly deserves to be in this division once again to try and regain his crown because he tries, doesn't he? He just tries. Although he did pull up Haydock behind Lord de Manil because that was purely because of his jumping mistakes. But we just know that he's a plodder. And... If you you could sort of describe the Charlie Hall this year, you could chuck Ballyoptic in that in that sort of category as well. Would, would that be a bit offensive to Ballyoptic? Ballyoptic, I was toying with having him as my second nomination. Yeah, I was toying with it. My my, my other my potential potential nomination was Darasha Counter. Yeah, he he was also he's on the scribbles on my paper. On the basis of won the Hennessy, and he didn't look like a boat when he won the Hennessy. No, but he has since. But he's running the Midlands National. <sighs> Do you run a horse? I'm sorry, any horse who runs in a Midlands National is default on the boat list. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If you're going to your Toxeter instead of Cheltenham, because you think you've got a better chance of winning there, you're a slow, slow, slow horse. Uh, <laughs> Ballyoptic has won three times this season, though, including the Charlie Hall. So do we do we give him the fourth spot in the poll? Yeah, yeah, we do. We have to, don't we? He's done well this year, to be fair, because I thought he had he had quite a good first novice season. Then last year he was atrocious. He was. And if I was honest, I thought he was a horse who was on the way down. And was just all well, was you know, was regressing. It was a horse who was always gonna be at a few pounds below his mark, uh, and a horse who was going at the game. But fair play to him, three wins this season, and he has he has been good this year, Bally Optics. So I think he does deserve his his nomination. You shouldn't beat Santini though. Uh, the horse who has got to within a head of winning the Gold Cup. He's a slow enough for the champion boat nominations. We'll go with that, though. Uh, so it's Santini, Lord Dumeni, Bally Optic, and Elegant Escape. <laughs> Elegant right. Escape's going to be nominated for this every year till he retires, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, that, I'd, quite Santini... li- I'd quite like to see them four run round Haydock over four mile and on heavy ground and see who comes out on top. Can, can we make that happen? <laughs> Oh, imagine that. How would you price it up? Um, I go Santini. Santini Even. evens most definitely. Um, nearest challenger, elegant escape, nine to four. 
Ballyoptic threes, Lord Domineal fives. Make it happen, BHA. <laughs> Through this quarantine period, we want one race and one race only. To settle it for certain, the champion boat ship. Uh, we'll move away from that. The biggest award of the night. Uh, to our third category, which is Jockey of the Year. Uh, Jim, again, your turn to start, mate. See, this was this was a very tough decision for me. Um, I, I didn't want to be obvious, but you've sort of got to respect it. So I'm, I'm going to base my first one as f- fairly obvious, and then my second one as an underrated one. Um, so number one, it, for me, it has to be Brian Hughes. Um, he's the first time he's won the junk the junkie in char- oh, start again. The, the, the junkie, I've put the jockeys championship together to get the junkie in ship. Uh, <laughs> the first time he's won the jockeys championship with 141 uh, wins out of 715 rides. He has been trying for this title for a good three years now, and his hard work has has finally paid off. Uh, Although I don't believe he's got the credit he really deserves, if I'm being honest. Because the season has finished so early, um, it's almost as if it's like giving Liverpool the title before ten, with, with another 10 games to go. They're not going to get the credit they deserve. So I, I think Brian Hughes has to be in this. Um, he's been outstanding advocate for Northern Racing. Uh, and he's he's gone down south on Saturdays as well and, and shown how good he actually is. So for that for that reason, he, he has to be in the Jockey of the Season award. Do you want to play a game, Jim? Go on. I've got up the five highest earning horses for Brian Hughes this season. Right. How many can you get? <laughs> uh, I bet you none. Uh, I'd probably, you know what, I'd probably be on none as well, mate. Uh, he, he rode, oh, what was that horse that won that handicap at Ascot? Um, go on, tell me. He's top earner with one win from one run. He's Forrest Bian. Forrest Bian? <laughs> I wouldn't have got that. Who's only, you know, who's been injured since October. I swear uh, Henry Brook but, rode that. <laughs> Won, won the old round. Uh, Navajo Pass was his second highest earner. Donald McCain's juvenile. Yeah. His third highest earner was Neate. No, would never have got that. No, his uh, summer jumper won at Bangor, Aintree and Perth in the summer. Caius Marcius, another good summer jumper for Nicky Richards. Was his fourth yeah. highest earner, and Clondor Caitlin for Ruth Jefferson. Yeah, won uh, that valuable race at Musselburgh, didn't, didn't she? Kelso, the Kelso, same thing. <laughs> it's all the same up there in Scotland. They're all the same races. Yeah, there are there are some tidy enough horses further down the list. His, his road Windsor Avenue, who looked like he was going to be pretty good earlier in the season, you know, still getting on well with Simply Ned as well. Uh, it's it is, it's a cracking season for Brian Hughes. And he, he deserves his jockey's championship in terms of number one winners. But it is strange that he's 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 a jock he's a champion jockey 
without riding a winner of a race more than 50 grand. Yeah. It's mental, isn't it? I mean, could it, it's a debate people people will always have in terms of a, how the Jockeys' Championship should be decided. I I agree with this. I think how how it is now, number of winners, whether, whether they come, you know, round round Kelso on a Monday or at the Chatham Festival, they should count the same. But it's I, I guess if, if if you were to take the opposite angle, the number of good winners Brian Hughes has ridden this season would be something would be a stick to beat the current uh, the current the way the current what's the word Jim I want to say the way the current standings are decided but is that right Yeah I, I get what you mean I get what I, I get what I mean as well <laughs> even if no one else does uh, My first nomination Jim's Rachel Blackmore Rachel Blackmore most definitely quality this year isn't she absolutely I mean she looks she's she been has quality. been for a couple of years now yeah she has been quality for and, for and several that, seasons that goes to reflect as well that if you last season at Cheltenham I remember backing Rachel Blackmore to be top jockey at 40s and this year she was as short as 92 now now that completely tells me that now people are pricking their ears up and going she's a very good jockey yeah the read uh Brilliant, brilliant association with Henry de Bromhead, you know, becoming he becoming his first jockey. And look, so many high profile horses have gained grade one victories to her name. Honeysuckle, three grade ones this season. Notebook's done two. Aplutar's done one. Monolee's had the season of his career without actually winning a race. Big handicap wins, poker party. Petty Mouchoir's been brilliant again this year. Uh, another big handicap win with Chris's dream. She's been absolutely world class, and you know you saw how she really outmanoeuvred Paul Townend to win the mares, and that that was probably the most high profile jockey performance of the season. Mm-hmm. Your second nomination, Jim. Um, well, I've had a collection of three, um, but. But we finally landed on one, and I'm going to give it to Brian Carver. Uh, Interesting. I, I thought I think he's had a an almost breakout season. If I remember rightly, he first came onto the scene in the amateur division, uh, riding in Hunter Chases, and now he's progressed to the conditionals. Now he's had two rides on lightly squeeze this season, and one on both of them. He's he, sort of jockeys need a horse to sort of kickstart their career. And Lightly Squeeze was one at the beginning of that. Um, he's He's got a nice run of wins next to his name for Harry Fry. And I think that horse has sort of announced his name on the scene. He's been, at, I think he's based at Paul Nichols's. Uh, yes. However, he's been around at different smaller trainers, Jeremy Scott's, Ron Hodges and uh, Chris Down, who he, Midnight Midge for Chris Down, who he's two out of two for. Um, but he... I've, he's just edged it over Connor Brace and David Maxwell for me. I had to give good old David Maxwell a, a mention. He's been 32% strike rate, this fella's been on this season, David Maxwell. And although he's riding absolute superstars and arguably could be more, he has improved. Mass- can I put David Maxwell? Can, in fact, can I change the episode? Most improved horse to David Maxwell. 
He actually probably has been the improver of the season, to be he fair. Has been, he, can, I, can I change this? Can I put him in most improved? I mean, we'll, we'll put it to Twitter if, 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 if David Maxwell can have his own special award. Yeah, most the or, or we'll name a trophy after or the David Maxwell most improved horse of the season. Can we? <laughs> so, so it's got a name to it. Um, I mean, the virtual national did him dirty, didn't it? Though I know that were a bit disrespectful. Um, I mean, he would have fallen off in real life. Oh, he wouldn't. I would have paid to. Oh, I, I I'd love to have seen him ride over them. We love Maxwell on this podcast. And Connor Brace was my other one. Um, I think he's had a really good season for um, Fergal O'Brien. And I, I, I think he's a jockey. And I'm a, I'm a massive fan of him. Oh, the thing is now, Jim, as well, you've thrown me off my guard. Because I wanted to say... I wanted to say Paul Townend, obviously. I've picked two big guns, really, because Paul Townend's, you know, won, won back-to-back Cheltenham Gold Cups. You know, won won three races on Gold Cup Day. They've done absolutely brilliant. Leading leading festival jockey, Irish champion again. Uh, showed resilience to come back after what was you know a bit of a high profile hanging out to dry when when uh, Blackmore beat him in the mares. Uh, but you've given me a dilemma because I, I do want David Maxwell to be involved in a vote for Jockey of the Year. Uh, no, I'm going to stick with Townend. I'll stick with Town and my Casey's Airlock Irish champion, leading rider at the Cheltenham Festival, back to back gold cups. Uh, and he's filled Ruby's shoes quite well. It was always going to be a hard job. And I guess there were always some people who were who were gonna I, I I guess in a big job you can be a magnet for stick. And I think I think sometimes when Paul Townend's criticised, sometimes it is often unfair. Uh he's a top class. He's a top class jockey. His ride and album photo was absolutely brilliant to him back to back gold cups. And look, the case is obvious. It's not, it's not as much of a left field one as, as Brian Carver. And I'm only going to be saying things people already know about him. So that would be my second pick uh, for jockey of the season. So those are the nominations that Paul will go up on Twitter. Brian Hughes, Rachel Blackmore, Brian Carver and Paul Townend. Comment below if you want to vote for David Maxwell. <laughs> I can see a big following. Trainer of the year, Jim. Um, he, he was narrowly denied championship, but for me, Paul Nichols is without doubt the best English trainer of a horse uh, at this moment in time. Um, I've just I've lost all my pages. They've all disappeared. Um, but this season he has uh, he has had 96 winners out of 445 runners, 22% strike rate. Very very good. Um, we all know we all know who he is. He's he's noticeable winner. Surname beating Altior and Clandesobo winning the King George. They've been his two major winners, and you could even chuck Politolog winning a champion chase in there. Um, he's got all three of them horses tuned up perfectly, ready to go for the day. And in my opinion, he's without doubt one of the best trainers in my generation. 
Oh, undoubtedly, mate. What, what, who would you, what would you say is Paul Nichols's best training performance of the year, then, pal? Clandy's oboe in the King George. Closely, yeah, fo- closely followed by Politologue. Yeah, I mean, getting Politologue, that was. I, I know Defy the Soul underperformed, but that was a career best from Politologue by at least five pounds. It was, he was flawless. Yeah, he, he was. It was unreal. Done really well, and well, I guess is 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 an obvious nomination, but he's he's there because he is one of the best. My first nomination, Jim, for Trainer of the Year, is what 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 you really want as as an owner, I reckon, is big Saturday winners, big Saturday winners, and the man who's produced that so often this season is Fergal O'Brien. Oh, you've stole me second one. I was just, I thought, I'll start with Paul Nichols and just ease it in, and I'm going to chuck Fergal O'Brien in, and you've stole me thunder. Well, with 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 Fergal, Jim, it's it's obvious it's there, and it big Saturday winners this season. Uh, he's had Benny's Bridge, Gino um, Trail up at Donny, Goodbye well. Dancer, Cheltenham, Champagne Well, yeah, done really well. Goodbye Dancer, Liz Dunvana. The it, he you know he's he's great on social media, uh, and it's been it's been the biggest year for his yard in terms of number of winners. And the amount of winners they've had uh, at the big meetings, he's he's good at almost training all types of horses. He's still got the old boy perfect candidate winning this season and placing in a good races as well. And and it, it's not quite been a breakout year for Fergal because he's always been good. He's always been good at, at a slightly with a little bit less ammunition, obviously, than, than most of the big boys. But, you know, at the start of the season, you won't go in, you won't go in a Saturday without without a Fergal O'Brien horse winning on ITV. Correct. And Correct. that's and really what... Go on, mate. Now he's got that firepower, hopefully he can kick on a bit further. And he's got a lot of young horses coming through. He's won quite a lot of bumpers this season with a lot of nice horses with novice hurdling in mind for next season. So he's progressed them through on your on your Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at Stratford and Bangor and places like that. He's he's brought a lot of young horses to the races and won on debut. Uh, his no, most noticeable uh, bumper horse was Asker Honeybee that ran in the Champion Bumper. Didn't necessarily perform on that day, but I think there's a lot of scope for hurdles for a, a lot of his bumper horses like that. Yeah, good shout there, Jim. Good shout, but yeah, Fergal O'Brien. My first nomination. Jim, does that well now that I've stolen your second, does that does that leave us down to Mullins and Elliot? No, 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 no. We've always got a backup, Lewis. It's all right. We've always got a backup. And I, I can't not say him, but our Lord and Master, Colin Tizard, has oh, to you, be chucked in there. Jesus Christ, Watson. Jesus Christ. How many Cheltenham Festival winners? Well, that's a different question. But prior to that, this season, he's not had a bad year, has he? He's uh, not. Yeah, there's lots, lots of traders haven't had a bad year, Jim. He's had 61 winners, 1.2 million worth of prize money and won the Betfair Chase. What more would you... If you said that to Colin Tizard at the start of the season, you reckon he'd have taken it? Yes, he would. Um, 
So I, for for that reason, I, I'm just I have to chuck Collitis. I'm, I'm I'm his biggest advocate. Um, I go to bed praying towards him every night. I have to chuck him in there. Oh, bro. These go on, make a case and make a genuine case. I just have. What's he banned from the podcast? I just have done. I have to chuck Colin Tizardi. No, do you know what? Colin had a, Well, I, I, I am speechless that, that you think he's had he's more worthy of a nomination than Mullins or Elliot. Well, if I if I said Mullins or Elliot, I've already chucked Paul Nichols in. I can't be any more obvious, can I? Oh no, I'm 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 I am baffled. He's trained Copperhead. Copperhead was has progressed through races this season. Done a decent job with that. I'm 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 not denying that Colin Tizard trained some quite good horses, Jim. Slate House, Mr. Malarkey, West Approach. Come on, Lewis. He's not at Master Debonair's progressed nicely. Harry Senior. To Cheltenham he had a very, very strong hand of horses that had run well throughout the season. Fiddler on the roof chucked them in as well. Prior to Cheltenham, if this was recorded a week before Cheltenham, he'd he'd certainly be in it. Uh, no, I'm not having that, mate. I'm not having that. I'm not having it. I I I like I like Tizard. I'm not, you know, I'm not banned from being within twenty feet of him like you are. But this, <laughs> I'd. I, I don't see the justification for nominating him for, to be one of the top four trainers this year. We'll see what Twitter thinks. So that leaves it up to me to pick between Gordon Elliott and Willie Mullins. Uh, and I'm... Because Mullins has won. Mullins won top trainer at the Cheltenham Festival. Absolutely brilliant, especially on the Friday. But I think I'm just going to swing in favour of Elliott. Just in terms of Willie Mullins ran carefully selected in the national lunch chase. I, I agree with you. That was my other point. And the training performances of Sam Crow to get Sam Crow back from what he did, what was wrong with him, and his breathing and all his difficulties that he's had to get him back to prime up for Cheltenham. That was a phenomenal training performance. That was going to be my other point, and that is what swung. That is the singular best training performance of the season. Correct. Although you could say with Willie Mullins for Heen. Getting Fahim to win two grade ones as a 12-year-old, you know, as an 11 and then a 12-year-old. Yeah, you could add him into the equation, couldn't you, for that? Oh. Gordon Elliott. It's got to be Gordon Elliott. Sam Crow's, getting Sam Crow back after being beaten by Fahim when blowing out completely is, is bigger, in my opinion, because he's then gone on to win at, at Cheltenham. We'll go with that there, mate. He obviously also has the exceptional on violin who put up one of the most staggering performances I've ever seen on a race course when he won the Ballymore as well. Uh, so there so they're the four the four nominations. Paul Nichols, Fergal O'Brien, Gordon <laughs> Elliott. Look at him chuckling away to himself. This is just for his own personal amusement, isn't it? <laughs> yes it is. And, and Colin Tizard. We just lose credibility every time. <laughs> Good. Oh, my days. As we move on now to an award that, well, award is a bit of a grandiose term. It's not something anyone would particularly want to win. It is, unfortunately, flop of the year. Uh, 
which horse have we been let down by most this season? And we'll start, Jim, with you. You love slagging people and horses off, so I assume your list is about a mile long. Oh, this was my favourite category. I could have been here all day. <laughs> I've got I've got six horses written down, and I, I'm, it's difficult to whittle it down, you know. Um, but well, should, I one, start, should I start with my two then? Yeah, you I'm, start with your two and see if see if mine match up. Number one is Classical Dream. Right, he was on my list, so that's one to scribble out. Oh, just just looked. He was a bit buzzy last year as a novice, wasn't he? But he's he's he's. His actual race craft seems to be worse this season than it was last year. And I guess people could say it was at the time, with hindsight, the wrong decision to stay over hurdles. Given how he jumps, uh, it gives him a hell of a lot of air and a lot of people you know, were saying at the time, oh, they should have sent him chasing. Look at what the champion hurdle picture looked like in October. They'd have been mental not to try and win it. After his, after how good he was in his novice season, but yeah, look, anti Paul's favourite for the, for the champion hurdle, and he's, he's, he's only been a seen out twice this season. One of them in the Morgiana, where he never looked particularly comfortable and only came home ahead of Charger, and a hundred to one outsider, and then last of five, well beaten, as an odds on shot, in the race at. Uh, the Easterbrack hurdle, I think it's registered as at Leopardstown over Christmas. We've not seen him since, and he's better than he's been able to show in this season, but given that he was Antipo's favourite for the champion hurdle, and has only beaten two horses all year, one of them being a 100 to one outsider, and being beaten at odds on both times he's ran. Got to be classical dream for me. Yeah, so I'll scribble him off my list. That's, that's one down. Uh, and my second one, Jim, is uh, Lost in Translation. Uh, who... James Watson has just left the call <laughs> I'm having a wind up pal I'm having a wind up uh, it, it's, it's going to be Pentland Hills Pentland Hills I didn't as if I didn't have him on my list Christ I've been quick to slag him off yeah I'd agree with you might be a bit harsh might be a bit harsh expecting a a horse who was only really mid-70s on the flat. Who had a really good first-year juvenile hurdling. But people always people always state, you know, how how big the step up from juvenile hurdling up to open hurdling is. Uh, some years I do think more of it is made than, than is actually the case. But I don't think this year was one. I don't think this year was one. Clinton Hills is probably a decent mid-150s hurdler. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Maybe even closer to one, you know, I'd, I'd say mid 150s, that's bordering closer to 152 than 158. Yeah. If you think that you're being a bit harsh with Pentland Hills, wait till you hear my list. <laughs> oh, mate. But no, it's, it's, and look, the, the way his trait of not seeing his races out didn't exist last season. I'm not sure whether that's just because he was against inferior company. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look on paper to have been the strongest of of triumphs, really, does it? You could add Fusil Raffles in there as well. To be fair, the other real leading protagonist from the uh, 
juvenile division last season who's done nothing this campaign. But yeah, given, I think Pentland Hills was second fav for the champion hurdle. Uh, anti-post as well in the summer. Uh, and not at, not at one point this season did I ever think he looked capable of winning a grade one. So Pentland Hills would be my second pick. And now James Watson at his best being mean. Number one, reserve tank. Most certainly the biggest flop of this season, in my opinion. Uh, Archbishop of Collitizard. Um That's not due to his fault, though. It's the horse's fault. You can't, <laughs> <laughs> you can't jump, Jim. Um, he finished second on debut to Jarvis Plate, which was slightly disappointed at Chepstow after having such a good late uh, novice hurdle campaign, winning two grade ones. Very impressive. Um, he was a horse that I was really, really looking forward to. He had the scope to jump a fence and almost fitted the mould of a typical Tizard three-mile chaser in the making, and he's slightly disappointed. He he got his uh, graded win at Wincanton beating, if you say, wrong. That's a weak graded novice contest. Um, and he got beat by Danny Wisbank, who has excellent point-to-point form. Um, <laughs> um, and then pulled up in the marsh at Cheltenham. He's just been disappointing, hasn't he? Um, I, ex- I expected a very, very good performance out of him in other fences this season, and he has not shown me anything that will give him any chance in open graded company next season. So he's he's my main one. He's number one. At uh, the beginning of the season, he was favourite for the Marsh as well. It's worth yes. noting that. He yes. was Antipo's favourite for a Cheltenham grade one and has won one race out of four this season. Um, and and the, on my next spot is quite difficult. Um, I'm going to sort of chuck it to Lewis, but I, I'm, I'm edging one way more than the other. My four, a Papa Tango Charlie, Blue Sarri, Get away, Trump, and Beakstown. Oh, now I'm edging more than anything. Sorry, Jim. Who are you leaning towards? Did you say Blue Sari? Because I think finishing I second to Envoy Allen by three quarters of a length in that champion bumper was a cracking performance. No horse has got that close since, really, since barring Abacadabras, who was half a length or so. Since then. He has scraped home in the maiden hurdle at Punchestown, finished fourth of four in a grade one beating by half the track, and he's pulled up behind Asterian for Lange in a grade one. Now, he should he should have been up the top of that division this season, and he's not. So that's why... I, form, yeah. His bumper it, form it, give him every chance to be a class horse this season, and he's not. I wouldn't have thought of Blue Sarri, Jim, if you're honest, but you are right. And actually looking back and watching some movements, he's actually been... In in, in my head, when you mentioned him, I thought, was he really that disappointing? Oh, he was. Yes. He, he was on my horses to follow list at the start of the season. That's why I, I pulled this. I, I pulled my horses to follow list up and, and, and saw that the majority of them had been flops. <laughs> Hence why we hadn't had a very good season at Cheltenham. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? You might be right with Blue Star. Out of those lists, out of that list, if it was left to me, I probably would have gone for Getaway Trump. Yeah, 
I'm being really disappointed with him. Given how well, given how prominent he was in the bench for the Arkle at the start of the season, and the fact that he he, he was so bad on both his both his first two chase starts. Bear in mind, Al Dancer finished ahead of him twice. He was also beaten by not that Fuite on his first start, and then put the kettle on beaten both. Uh, the time after that. Uh, and then when they when they reverted to hurdles with him, he showed nothing. The only little thing I'd say away from getaway Trump is was his rating at the end of last season a little bit of a false one. Yeah, that that was that was my point of just giving it to Blue Sari over um, getaway Trump. Yeah, because he, he ended up the season rate, rated mid one fifties, wasn't he? I, I, I know time form had him down as you know one of the top like five novice hurlers of last season after he won that handicap at Sandown off top weight but before that he hadn't particularly been special no and maybe maybe we were expecting a little bit too much from getaway Trump at the start of the year yeah probably were um, and Papa Tango Charlie cost a fair whack um imposing and, and could be better over fences next season and improve a storm but he still yeah. won't he still won't be as good as what people were expecting him to be and beats you don't down. Know that, Jim. He's, he's a long-term project I'd, I'd i think it's harsh including him right and beats down um he, that that went at warwick i thought wow um and then since then he's regressed quite a bit in my opinion and he's not been as good over fences as we were all expecting. We all thought he'd be uh, a big, strong, chasing type who'd relish the fence. And he's he's jumping them, but he's, he's not doing anything special with them. Uh, I like Beakstown. Uh, a lot of people know that. I have been slightly underwhelmed by him this season. Maybe I thought he was better than he was after he won at Warwick. The form of that race hasn't particularly... Worked out brilliantly. Stony Mountain's a decent, you know, mid 140s handicapper. He's been, and that's probably what beats Town is, Jim. He's probably a decent mid 140s handicapper rather than a graded horse. Uh, yeah, you, you could argue he's slightly disappointing. He'll retain his novice status for next season as well. Yeah, that's one positive. Do a slate house. Yeah, he could do. I, I, you know, I wouldn't put him off something like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he actually picked up quite a good handicap in the early part of next season. Yeah. So we'll narrow it down to the four, Jim. Classical dream. Pentland Hills. And your two are... Reserve Tank and Blue Sarri. And Blue Sarri. We'll put them up as our nominations for the Flop of the Season award. Our next... Category, Jim, is the moment of the year, just as a singular, singular moment. And I'll let you start, mate. Uh, moment of the year for him where the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, that it, it was close between Fahin at the Dublin Racing Festival and Fahin uh, on Boxing Day beating Sam Crow, or the day after Boxing Day. I can't quite remember. Um, but it's he, he's almost become 
the people's horse now. He is, you see the crowd flocked around the parade ring to see him at Leopardstown. I think the crowd lifted for Heen home uh, in that novice chase, grade one at Punches, uh, Leopardstown, sorry, beating easy game. Battle over Doyen fell. And I know you can question the grade one form of that race. However, him winning a grade one at Leopardstown was arguably the moment of the season, in my opinion. I had goosebumps on the back of my neck. I was, oh, it, that's, that's, that for me was iconic. And that's a word I don't use very often. Oh, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's why that's number one for me. My first nomination for moment of the season is going to be Sam Crow getting back up to win the Marsh. It was a, it was a race where three real Cheltenham Festival favourites came to the fore for Heen in third. Mellon finally getting there, but what it meant for Gordon Elliott, the story of a horse who had had so many issues, had been written off by so many people, including myself, to be fair, uh, getting back up, gaining his second win at the festival and proving a lot of people wrong. It was, it was I felt, in terms of a race to watch, one of the best of the, of the meeting, one of the best of the season, in fact. And it, it's even more impressive when you know more about the background of the winner. Yeah. You, you you'd have to agree. He he was in my shortlist of three. I, I knew you I knew you'd say that, so I, I I did three for this race. What's your second pick, then, Jim? Have a guess. Oh, is it lost? Lost in translation is better fair chase win. Um, moment of the year, personal personally, following that horse throughout his career, and then seeing him peak for such a big race to kick off the triple crown was absolutely great to see. Uh, it was almost like like a boxing match, Bristol Demai versus uh, Lost in Translation. It was almost billed as if this big battle. We've had a lot of these this season, these surname versus Altior, Lost in Translation versus Bristol Demai, which have been really good to see. And even in the King George, Clandis Obo versus surname versus all of them, they've all faced each other this long battle um, and this was certainly the moment of the ra- moment of the season um, I, I was proud as anything when he uh, he came there swinging I've watched that Betfair chase I'd hate to see how many times I've watched that video on YouTube because I, it could arguably be in the thousands um, he's gone there swinging he's clambered over the last two and he's showed grit and determination to plod on past Bristol Demai and get his head in front, and yeah, moment of the year. I can't. I, I mean, I I understand why cause it was brilliant. His performance. I'd I'd almost argue his performance at Carlisle was even sexier. Yeah, you that could round say. of jumping was unbelievable. However, you lose credibility for nominating Tizard for trainer of the season. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job that you're not just voting for this, and it's the it's the I should, have, I, I should have I should have expected it, and I'm still disappointed. <laughs> uh, but no, lost lost does deserve a nomination, and you've mentioned what my second pick's gonna be. It's surname versus Altior, Clash of the Titans, probably the biggest 
you know, one-on-one racing dual over jumps we've seen for a long, long, long time. And the race really provided... Surname just got had Altior in bother early on. Nico never looked comfortable. Altior, to his credit, ran an all right race, but that was exceptional from Surname. It's what we want to see as racing fans. The big horses take each other on. Fair play to Nicky Henderson as well for having a crack at trying something different with Altior, even if in hindsight it might not have been the right decision. Uh, but it seems so long ago, especially with Surname being beaten twice since. But he was brilliant that day. It was that, brilliant for the sport. And them two races were on the same day, the Betfair Chase and LTR versus Cerny. I watched that I watched that at Haydock, surrounded by people, and they were completely divided, half and half. And half of them had glum faces and half of them were celebrating. And I, I have to agree that I that I had four on my list and all four that we've named we both we've both picked two of each. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely quality. So there are our four nominations for moment of the year. Sam Crow getting back up to win the marsh. Surname versus LTR. Lost in translation versus Bristol Demai. And Faheen's win at the Dublin Racing Festival. A different type of moment of the year, Jim. We're going to move to the biggest controversy of the season. I'll let you start, Paul. Um... Well, I'm going to have to kick this up with Diego de Charmil and Capeland uh, jumping through the side of the fence and Capeland being disqualified for doing nothing wrong and Diego de Charmil keeping the race for stopping a horse from running its its true race and still being able to win. Um, it was it split opinion of most people. It did me because I about the second. Uh, I was adamant <laughs> Diego, Diego de Charmel should have um, been kicked out of the race because he was the last leg on my lucky 15 that had three legs up already. Um, but, um, yeah, for me, Diego de Charmel keeping the race, that that was... It, I think that was on Charlie Hall Day, uh, and I was at Weatherby, and I remember just everyone in the betting shop, just, just pure confusion. No one knew what was going on. Nothing were happening, and no one had, we'd never sort of seen that before. Like, do you have to go through the fence? Do you have to go because Caitlin went through the plastic, the other went through the the brush side of the fence, and uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's controversial enough, in my opinion. My first nomination for most controversial moment of the year is. Little Rory Mack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think we found a winner. Uh, a horse who had clearly ran to form on every start that before that season. Uh, his owner, Mr. Vacuum Man, uh, showing some lovely photos of car parts <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, suggesting that he didn't fancy the horse had nothing on uh, ended up coming away with wheelbarrows and wheelbarrows of cash uh, depending on your view whether it's a it's a you know it's nice to see an owner get one over on the bookies or the view that vacuum man is a complete and utter crook 
who blocks anyone on Twitter who disagrees with him, uh, and he's as dodgy as he come. Uh, it's it's up to up to you as to how you see things, but it certainly can't. Uh, that sounds like a man who's been blocked by him. I haven't. I haven't either. Um, do you want to know a little fact about him? His dad, who set up the vacuum pouch company originally, uh, used to play football with my granddad. <laughs> uh, he's from he's from the around my region. Um, he doesn't he plays golf just down the road from me, so uh, he, he's known in the in my area. So there you go, a little interesting fact is, about it. What is his reputation? Um, it's quite positive from what I know. I've never met him, but I, I I don't have a problem with what he did with little Rory Mack, as in with the horse. I think what I, I quite like the fact that he had one over on the bookies. What I didn't like was his response to everyone else. Um, oh, he acted I, like a bellend. Yeah, he, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have reacted how he should have. Um, but well done on him. Uh, having the money down when he was ready. Mm. Is the whole... Uh, look, we, we we know it happens in the game, but it's something we really should be trying to limit. Mm. I, quite, it, like, I don't, quite like a game. Don't we, want to see, don't we want to see horses run to form, though? Yeah, but if you tell Sir Mark Prescott to start running his horses over one mile four in about three months' time instead of running them over five furlongs at Lingfield... When it's clear that they want two miles, he's not gonna. He's not gonna because he won't earn as much as what he will. It's it's an it's an uncomfortable part of the spot, I think. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, it, but it, 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 it it's not. It, it leads because because you, you you speak to people who knowing I, you know if I bring up that I I like racing and I work in racing, I do still get told oh it's all bent anyway, isn't it? Yeah, there is still that perception, but there always will be. So there's no, well, I don't see sure, the point sure, of sure, trying sure, to change sure, it. Just, no, if 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 we have a problem, surely you try and fix it. You don't just accept. Well, that's the way things are. We'll try and if the boiler breaks at your house, Jim, <laughs> what happens? You just go, oh, well, that's how it is now. Yeah, well, no, but no. I'll, Boiler people can come out in these conditions, can they? So, no. You live in a swamp anyway. In fact, I, I tell a lie. My dad would probably try and fix it because he thinks he can fix everything. Exactly. But that's my first nomination. Little Rory Mac and the uh, the car part. <laughs> Your second pick, Jim. We're going from scandal to scandal. Uh, and this is mostly a jump racing podcast. However, the Dundalk controversy. Uh, no, Jim, hold... this is a jump. We're not. We're not having a. We're not having a flat claimer. Oh, can we in the jump that? season awards? That was controversial. Standing start rule. That was my other one. Yeah. Uh, um, I love that. that ruined the first day of the Cheltenham Festival. Cheers, uh, Robbie Supple. Uh, <laughs> You, you crushed my dreams in the first, making Fiddler on the Roof have a standing start because he did not have a Scooby to do what he was doing, got crushed out. I watched the Cheltenham Festival from 2012 yesterday, and I think it was the Claus Brothers that I watched 
And there was so much scrimmaging going on, and they all just set off, and he just let them go. And if that was now, uh, that'd be complete opposite. Um, there was fighting. Try and find that race. Uh, Fruity O'Rooney ran in it. I remember. I only remember that race because I had back Fruity O'Rooney and Gary Morse. Um Yes, 2012. That would have made me. How old would that have made me? Six. Uh, that would have made me about 40. Gamble responsibly. Um, but yeah, standing starts have ruined the Cheltenham Festival, and I think they should be chucked in this category as well. My final nomination is Flaggate at Sandown, and the controversy surrounding the Banter Jockeys. Obviously, it came out of an absolutely horrendous event, but the fallout for that was interesting. You know. Are we, the, the bans given to so many jockeys who were saying they didn't see or hear a flag, the debate after about what we could do in the other thing, and then the eventual overturnings, you know, was, I mean, because if, if what, what was being said at the time about, you know, people who took the view that there was no way the jockeys didn't see the flag, then we've got several top jockeys who are just liars. Yeah, <laughs> there is that. And it overshadowed the day, was it Tingle Creek Day when Devi Desai uh, yes, yeah. earned a saw waiting patiently, wonderful finish. And it, it overshadowed the day, really, didn't it? But it did, it did lead into an interest, because it was, I guess, quite not really an unprecedented thing, but it doesn't happen often. No. Especially not on a big Saturday meeting like that. And it was, it, it, look, it, it came out of an unpleasant scenario. But it was a saga that rumbled on for a little bit longer than it should have done. Uh, people will still have views either way as to whether, you know, the jockeys should have actually been punished as they were initially, uh, as as they were initially judged to. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I get been, you. It's been a long lockdown. Uh, <laughs> the you know the whole three the sand down seven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do, I do, I do think that it seems like that was so long ago, but yeah. it's, it's it's still it's still this season, and it was something that dominated the headlines for a fair while. Yeah. So those are the four four nominations for the most controversial moment. That's, I think that's a strong category. There's there's four strong cases made there. Stanley starts. Points. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what people. So, Little Rory Mac, uh, Sandown Flaggate, Standing Starts, and your first pick, Jim, was Diego de Charmil, Capeland, uh, WWE and each other. <laughs> Spine Buster. Spine Buster. Jeez. Have you watched WrestleMania, Jim? No, I used to be an avid racing fan. And even go uh, wrestling fan, sorry. Even going back two or three years, but I have completely lost interest in it. Couldn't care less. I saw that the Undertaker came back dressed as his old self, buried someone, and then left. So, so what he does best? I, I, I like wrestling when I was about, you know, eight or nine. I've even chucked myself into a wrestling, put me into a bit of a wrestling nerd. Like, I, I stopped. I started again when I was about sixteen. I stopped watching it for about five years, and then I got back into it, and now I've just grown up. <laughs> 
Who was your favourite wrestler? Oh, it'd have to be Cena. Every day of the week. I'm, I'm the biggest John Cena fan ever. Although, although I do like, I do tend to like a bad guy. I've always been a fan of Mark Emery. So, if there was a tag team fight between John Cena and Mark Henry and Colin Tizard and Lost in Translation, who are you cheering for? Lost in Translation, Colin Tizard. Good. Good, we'll go with that. Because a horse would easily kick the living daylights out of anyone. <laughs> Especially a big fat man like Mark Henry. <laughs> Strongest man. Oh, Jesus Christ. As we move on. To our singular performance of the year. A uh, little bit different from from race of the year, this, but we'll go on this. But just, just for the one outstanding effort from a single horse this season. Uh, Jimmy, you can start, mate. Uh, I'm going to start with a horse from the north, Lady Buttons, winning the Yorkshire Silver Mares chase. Um, that was, the perform- was, was an outstanding performance. Lady Buttons has been sensational this season. Um, it, it was up there with winning at Weatherby in the Mayor's Listed because the atmosphere at Weatherby, it was almost like a homecoming um, and everyone cheered her on. There was a great atmosphere around the place. Um, however, I, over that, I've, I've just edged it uh, with the Doncaster race because she's beat Happy Diva, the Bagawa, Casablanca mix. They're three solid mayor. Mares, and that was one hell of a performance. And on individual performance of the season, I think I'd have to chuck that race into the equation. My first nomination for performance of the year is Clanders Oboe, Bolton oh, from King George. Oh, that's mine as well. We've hit a crossroads here. He was absolutely fantastic, wasn't he, mate? Uh, he was. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, 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 do no, you, no, do you no. Want keep, to it, keep it. I've got another one. Absolutely imperious. And for what on paper was one of the most competitive renewals of the King George, you know, how good surname was at Ask at the time before, how good Lost in Translation was at Haydock at the time before. And Clandes really, there was only ever one winner. Never looked in doubt. I watched it in a car on the way back from, from Stockport. Uh, where we've been beat 5-1 on Boxing Day. Not a fun day to be a shamer. But I'll tell you what, that cheered me up no end. And I, I wasn't with Clanders Oboe, but just seeing a performance like that in a grade one race doesn't happen that often. He was absolutely brilliant. He was electric. Um, and he, he definitely deserves to be on this list. Um, my second selection... No surprise to many people, but last in translation is better fair chase win. Um, that was that individual performance was devastating. Um, Do you know what it was bloody good, wasn't it? He, he, oh, I have never been so proud of a racehorse in my life. Um, it was the way he was ridden. It was the supreme confidence of Robbie Power. It was the just the way he travelled into the race and Bristol Demire tried kicking around around the bend for home. And he's just sat there laughing at him, just in behind, and he's cruised up. And I have to give it, I have to chuck him in this category because it was unbelievable. And my second pick, pal, is Surname. 
Beating so, LTR at, uh, at Ascot back in the back in November. Same day again. They've 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 been nominated there for moment and performance. But again, it was just a horse always looking in control. And within the first half mile, I think you could just tell he was going to beat a horse who had previously been unbeaten over obstacles. Yeah, you could just tell, couldn't you? It, it was ridiculous, and I guess I guess people he might not get as much credit as he deserves now, you know, having been beaten twice since. But if you go back and rewatch it, he was flawless that day. It had taken something very, very, very special from any horse in history to have beaten him. Uh, the, the the race was set, you know, he was set up really as as the target, and you just you, you just never thought Altio was gonna gonna get near him. Jumped him into submission, and no. absolutely perfect ride from Harry Cobden. Brilliant performance from surname, and he proved the doubt was wrong. He did, um, and I think that's a worthy candidate for this division. So we wrap the four up there, Jim. Lady Buttons, Clandes Oboe, lost in translation. And surname. We move on to race of the season. So this, this is the race as a whole, how how the excitement levels, how the finish panned out. Uh, and I'll let you start, pal. Um, I'm going to start with the Paddy Power at Cheltenham. Uh, Old Grangewood, St. Calvados and Lalor all stretched across the track on New Year's Day. That was a phenomenal race to watch. Coming around the bend for home, there were so many horses travelling well. Expatriate even finished fourth behind, and Mr Whitaker was going well. And the the, the class of the race, there was the, Kalashnikov, Kalashnikov brought the class into the race. The question mark was St Calvados going to stay two mile four. The law bounced back. Old Grangewood um, had won previously beating Kalashnikov. Um, that was an exciting race to watch uh, as well. It, it had everything. Um, and if you just go watch the Paddy Power Handicap Chase race back, oh, you, you'll just get, feel the goosebumps on your back of your neck. Um, there were three stretched across the track and Old Grange would just got up. Lalar um, had been out in front for a while. St. Calvados was flying and Harry Skelton, pinnacle, just got on the, got, got up on the line, giving it everything towards the finish, and it was a superb race. Yeah, good shout there, mate. We love a good competitive handicap finish. Between horses, really, as well, Old, Old Grangewood had really, I know he was, he was on the way back, but he had he had dropped to a, his lowest mark in a long time before he won at Newbury, hadn't he? And Lalor and St. Calvados were both a little bit in the, in the wilderness at the time as well. It was really nice to see all three of them back to their best as well with that race. My first uh, uh, nomination is going to be the RSA. Yeah. Where was Champ? He was not even in the picture jumping the last. Some might say bad camera angles. I might just say he's got an absolute massive engine up the hill. It was a exciting race. The three who you'd wanted to have been at the, fr- uh, uh, at the front were the ones who... Uh, finished at the front and well it was special you know in terms of actual excitement I don't think I've I've seen anything like that a horse make up that much ground 
in a grade one at the Cheltenham Festival from jumping the last. And really having looked beat, jumping two out, uh, to go in and doing that, I think it was oh, arguably that would be my pick for race of the season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, there, there seems to be a recurring thing. All the races at Cheltenham. <laughs> um, because my next one comes in the Caspian Caviar this season uh, with Warthog just getting the better of Spirit of the Games. Um, he was headed uh, at the last Warthog by Spirit of the Games and he grittily fought back in the end, rallied very gamely to just get up and beat Spirit of the Games. Um, perfect ride by David Noonan and uh, sadly ill-fated, but this is a performance for the owners to re- remember and keep for a while because it was some race. Uh, the Caspian Caviar always brings up a is always brings up a good race, and uh, it certainly didn't disappoint this year with Warthog and Spirit of the Games. And I'm making it a clean sweep for Cheltenham, mate, with the Marsh. Marsh, you you sort of have to do, don't you? Again, free like I said earlier, free familiar faces. A brilliant head-bobbing finish. I thought Mellon had won it, crossing the line. Sam Crow just getting back up uh, all, uh, to win it by a nose. He had been headed by Mellon, fought his way back. Uh, on the biggest stage of them all, first race, one of the ones where I guess most attention was. Uh, and, and, and it provided one of the great finishers uh, of the season. So yeah. there, the four nominations for race of the uh, the Paddy Power on New Year's Day, the RSA, the Caspian Caviar, and the Marsh, as we'll move on to our final nomination, and it is the big one. It is Turf Talk, Horse of the Year, 2019-20. Jim, who's your first pick? Um, now, I'm presuming that we're going to have fairly similar horses for this. So I've got a few, just in case. I, I've got... I know which two I'd put up. And I think one of ours will match. Um, number one is Envoy Allen. Yes. It, um, he's still unbeaten. You can't deny that he, he's not done anything wrong in all these races. They've run him from the front. They've brought him from behind. They've, they've, he's run quickly. He's been brought back in trip. He's run over two miles, run over two five. And it's clear that he's still even got potential for even further. Um, his win at the in the Ballymore was arguably the pinnacle. Davy Russell giving plenty work, plenty of work to do was easy easy work and uh, the big getaway got away on the front, but he just kept galloping in front uh, in behind and got the better of them too. And very very impressive. Um, he's won three Grade Ones this season over hurdles. He's excelled what he did as his bumper form. And who even knows what is there else to come? Over three miles, it could be dangerous. It could be even more dangerous than what he is over this distance. Uh, he could arguably be the best horse of our generation. And he has to be chucked into the horse of the year category. Yeah, I, I echo that. I, he's, he's the most exciting horse I think I've ever seen in the spot. Yeah, I'm I just you. don't. I just don't know how you're getting beat. No, I don't know there's... how you're getting beat over two miles. I don't know how you're getting beat over two and a half. I don't know how you're getting beat over three because I think he'll stay that. Yeah, so do I. And but it'd be interesting to see how he jumps a fence. 
he might not jump a fence as well as what we expect him to. Um, I, I mentioned in Horse of uh, Biggest Flop of the Year, we all expected Reserve Tank to be that good. I know Reserve Tank wasn't that good over hurdles, but he had the scope and the size about him to be as good over fences. But I think he, I think he does have the the scope too. But whether he do it is a different question. Yeah, at the minute though, flawless. Flawless. That is the that's the only word to describe Ben Voyal, and, and I've never used that one before. But he is flawless. And to the man again who told me at the start of the season that he wasn't even the best horse in last year's champion bumper. Correct. Ha Correct. ha ha. And I'll I'll happily say that I was wrong because I don't mind admitting I'm wrong most of the time. But in that case, I made I, I made a serious ill judgment saying Blue Sorry was going to be better than you. <laughs> My first pick, Jimmy's honeysuckle. Oh, also on my list. You've stolen my first two. Well, we both got the first two. Still unbeaten. Yeah. What else can you yeah. say? Three grade ones, a, a variety of trips. She was good last year. We didn't really get to see her at the highest level, but proven herself as yet out and out grade one quality. You know, the, the form of the, the Irish champion hurdle actually probably looks a little bit better in hindsight now, you know, given that Dava Star and Petit Mouchois both ran the race in the champion hurdle. You know, the fact that she was able to do that over a trip, obviously short of her best. She probably looks like she might be better over fences as well. Be yeah. interested to see whether they got, whether we'll ever see her over fences because she does jump the hurdles. I think they'll keep her for hurdles, but I, I would quite like to see her jump over a fence. And look, it's, it's, it's hard to argue with a horse who... She turned over, Benny Dejeu, who, who was unbeaten when standing up as well for Willie Mullins. It's worth worth noting that as well, that Benny's only defeat for Mullins came when she fell in the mares last year. Honeysuckle took that record off her, and she is now nine from nine. Uh, three of them in grade one company this season. Hat-trick of grade ones. Uh, sky's your limit, mate. She's bloody good. She is. She's superb. And them two, in my opinion, should be streets ahead on the pulls. Yeah, I agree. In fact, do we want a third and a fourth? Oh, I think we should have a third. As a knockout. I I could only make genuine cases for NYRLN and Honeysuckle and potentially a third one. So I'm interested in who you'd say. So if we both agree on the third one, we'll we'll have the three. But if... If it's only the two, then we'll just have the two. Shall I count us in and we both say yeah. it? Yeah, no problem. Three, two, one. Album, Album photo. photo. Oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, he has to be number three. He's a two-time Cheltenham Gold Cup winner. Um, he Arguably, his best performance was this year in the Gold Cup. The depth of that race was a lot stronger this year than it was last year. I, I quite like the fact that he's kept quietly raced and he's been campaigned just for two races um, this season. Um, we know that he would have gone on to punch his down, but um, almost the best mate style campaign. And yeah, I, I think Albun Photo, I don't, I don't get why people don't like him because he doesn't run as often. If he doesn't run as well when he has loads of runs, well, what's the point of running him then? Um, fit what is suitable for him, round him, and 
for that reason, Albin Porto certainly has to be in this category. And he's a two-time Cheltenham Gold Cup winner. I, I didn't think I'd possibly see one, uh, apart from until I saw Lost in Translation. So, mate, we've got our three. Are we being harsh not including Epiton, giving her a nomination? Because she's unbeaten. Her, you, you know, this you season. You could say. Grade but, one, runaway winner of the champion hurdle. I think we've got. I think we've got to include her, actually, mate. I, I don't. I think that that three is fair enough. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't. I respect Epiton, and and I've said that how much she's improved this season and she she's going to be a standout in the champion hurdle division for a while if she maintains her ability however she hasn't yet I, I, I still want another similar run to that do you get what I mean? I think I'm going to overrule you mate I think she's going to get yeah. a place in the pot for, for winning two grade ones and yeah, really dominating a division put her in She's because she is clearly in in a division that needed a standout. We found one. Yeah, I agree. Put her in. Are there any other horses, Jim, away from? So we've got our horse of the year nominations: Envoilen, Honeysuckle, Album Photo, and Epiton. But at a, at, a, at a lower level, are there any horses you want to mention who you think have had? particularly good seasons it's a lower level have you got any just give me a little bit of a think first you've sprung this on me I have sprung it on you I guess I'd, I'd, I wanted to congratulate Lord Domeni I think he's had a I think what they've done with him this year has been absolutely exceptional uh, everything that's been done with Faheen this year has been brilliant uh, they'd be the two I know that they're not quite there for horse of the year level but you know what? What both animals have done this season, I'd I'd I'd, I'd say has been brilliant. Valley Optic as well has had a brilliant year and yeah. might not get loads of credit. You know, just 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 those sort of horses. Easy's Land, who yeah. deserves a mention for what he's done this season. He's unlucky not to be nominated for actual singular performance of the year. Yeah. He ran the guts out of Tiger Hall. He did, and uh, you could even chuck him into the Gold Cup category next year if they fancy it, because I don't think he'd be too far away. No, I don't. I, I don't think so either, mate. I, 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 I think the sensible option would be take cross country again. We yeah. don't know. We don't know, mate. So, any anything for you along those lines? Um, like you just like to... Yeah, you, I have to mention Lost, don't I? Lost has had an outstanding season. He's he's exceeded what I was expecting him to be doing. Um, mm, I'm trying to think handicappers that have. Surprised me this season, but I can't. None has come into my mind. The jump season seems so long away, uh, so far away, didn't it? I'll now, tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you one. I will. I'll give another mention to. Bundoran. Bundoran. Grade two winner, third in a champion chase. I've got a right soft spot for him as well. I've got a right soft spot for Bundoran. Delta work. But, yeah. We've not mentioned Delta work at all. Two grade one wins this season. He's had a brilliant year. Glynn, unbeaten still. Oh, finishes the year unbeaten. Bloody hell, I thought we were going to go one podcast without mentioning Christ almighty. He's going to go off odds on favourite for champion hurdle next season. 
the the Tom O'Millions pile it on. Uh, and on the slopes, podcast horse. Yeah. He's had a really good year as well. Two wins yes. since we came up after he won at Cheltenham. I hope everyone's been on him both times. Uh, that's it for the Turf Talk Awards. We'll get yeah. all of the polls up uh, in the hours following our nomination discussion episode. Uh, so you can vote. We'll leave it up to you, uh, all our listeners. Uh, thanks a lot to everyone who's tuned in as well and got involved. Uh, stay safe during the lockdown. And as Watson says, Jim, wash your hands. See you all soon. We'll do an end of season review and we've got a little special episode in the pipeline as well. That's going to be quite exciting. Uh, I'll see you all soon. See you later.